You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. flesh. We become in bondage to our flesh and we can only satisfy it continually. Keep feeding our flesh when we become a slave. This is what addiction is all about. Constantly feeding the flesh because our flesh wants it and desires it. We have to have it. We can't live without it. Eventually, we're not even phased by our sin. We're anesthetized. It's like we're, we don't even know it's sin. It doesn't even sin anymore. In today's message, Pastor Dave will warn you that your sin will become your master making you the slave. The more that you feed your sin, the greater its power will be over you. You can't beat it on your own. Only through the power of Christ can the chains of your sin be broken. Run to the Father and He'll save you. Now here's Pastor Dave in the book of Judges chapter 16 as he continues his message, The Light That Failed. My very first teaching job was in Fort Worth, Texas. Fort Worth, Texas was my very first teaching job. And I saw, as I was signing a contract and I was reading it through there, there was a clause in this contract. I was signing it as a teacher. The contract said, if any board member or person in administration saw you coming out of a drinking establishment in the city of Fort Worth, you would be terminated immediately. 1971. I really like this stuff. No, you're right. There are places Christians just shouldn't go. Places we shouldn't be. Shouldn't be. Samson goes to these places all the time. He goes once again and he doesn't guard his heart. He doesn't guard his heart and he falls in love with a woman named Delilah. Now there's two basic things about her name. One of them... Some people think her name means devotee. And they think that she was possibly a a prostitute in the temple of their God. But we don't even know if she was a Philistine, because it really doesn't say that she's a Philistine woman. However, all the connections she has to the Philistines makes us think that she was a Philistine. There are those who believe her name is D-A-L-A-L in Hebrew, Dalal, which means to weaken or impoverish. This kind of goes along better with the story, if you think about it. It's interesting to this point that what she did to Samson, she weakened him and she impoverished him. She weakened him in prison. Anyhow, she's pressured by the Philistines to find out the source of of his strength and she's offered a lot of money. That's a lot of money she was offered. We know, first of all, we have foreknowledge of chapters 13, 14, and 15. We know that Samson's strength does not come from his hair. We know that. It is nothing physical. We know that his strength comes from the Holy Spirit. 
Because every time we read about him getting angry or doing something to the Philistines, it says the Holy Spirit came upon him and he did this. But Samson was gripped by passion. And he basically became anesthetized to sin. And he was unable to act rationally. This is what happens when we're lusting in our flesh. We become a slave to our flesh. We become in bondage to our flesh. And we can only satisfy it continually. Keep feeding our flesh when we become a slave. This is what addiction is all about. Constantly feeding the flesh. Because our flesh wants it and desires it. We have to have it. We can't live without it. Eventually, we're not even phased by our sin. We're anesthetized. It's like we're, we don't even know it's sin. It's not even sin anymore. Because we've done it so much, we're so used to it. It's like we're under sedation. But we need someone to pull us out of that. We need someone to come along and say, this is wrong, what you're doing, come out of that. We need a brother or a sister to come alongside us in love. And you know the scriptures. If, if one of us is caught in a sin and one of our brothers and sisters comes alongside of us and says something about it, what's the first thing you're going to say? I can tell you what the first thing you're going to say is. Don't judge me, brother. The scripture says really simple. Take the railroad tie out of your eye before I look at the speck in my brother's eye. So in order to come to a brother or a sister, we need to look within. We need to look within ourselves. We need to look within ourselves and say, wait a minute, am I okay? Can I come to this brother and sister cleanly, purely, in righteousness as a brother and say, listen, you're error. You're an error. And then you have to pray and hope that the Holy Spirit would do something great. We need someone to pull us out. We need someone to declare God's truth to us. We need someone to open up our eyes and take off the blinders. Someone to help us come to our sentence and come to repentance of the Lord. And you know what? Sometimes it takes takes a person to just show up. Because if you're in that type of sin, you've probably locked yourself away and you're hiding. Delilah is shrewd. She continues her probing, question after question after question. Samson seems to be unaware of the danger, and he's just having a good time fooling them. I'm just feeling, but, but you notice how each one gets a little different? And the last one, he did mention his hair, the loom on his hair. He's playing a game. He's telling her what she wants to hear. Three times this happens and he escaped. But notice the fourth time, it says, his soul was vexed to death. Delilah knew that he was telling the truth. Delilah knew he was telling the truth. And when I read verse 20, when I read verse 20, my heart hurt for him. My heart hurt for him. Was it verse 20 I'm talking about? But he did not know that the Lord had departed from him. Oh, Samson. Samson's strength wasn't his hair. It was his relationship to God. He worked against that relationship to the point where God finally said, you're on your own, Samson. Oh, my. In a sense that he no longer blessed Samson with supernatural strength. And I immediately thought of David. Remember when David was, after he got caught in a sin with Bathsheba? Remember that? And he wrote that beautiful Psalm, Psalm 51. What did he say? He said, don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Don't remove your presence from me, Lord. Don't do that. 
David knew where his strength lie. He knew where all his blessings came from. It came from the Lord. Don't remove it from me, Lord. Don't do that. Delilah knows he's telling the truth. She calls the Philistines and they, they overcome him because the spirit had left him. He no longer had his strength. What a sad, sad thing. The light failed. That beautiful, bright light that was born, now distinguished, was gone. The light had failed. The light had failed. One commentator put it this way. It says, in number six, the literal translation says, because of consecration, Nazar, of God upon his head. And the basic meaning of the word Nezer is to separation or concentrate. But they also said it's like a royal crown. In 2 Samuel 1.10, Zechariah 9.16, and Psalm 89. Samson's long hair was his royal crown, and he lost it when he sinned. Jesus promises us a crown in 311 of Revelation. Behold, I come quickly. Hold fast what you have, that no one may take away your crown. They put out his eyes. The light truly went out. They put out his eyes. They blinded him. Shackled him with bronze fetters, chains. Joseph was in fetters. They bound him and made him toil at the grinding mill. And they usually did this with slaves and or animals. Like Conan the Barbarian, pushing the grinding mill around. That's what he did. But when the Lord has his mind set on accomplishing something, the Lord always accomplishes that what he has his mind set to do. We read that the Lord was going to use Samson mightily to come against the Philistines. And although it looked like the end of the road for Samson, it wasn't the end of the road for the Lord. For the Lord still had something up in his sleeve that Samson was going to be able to do, and Samson didn't realize it. The Lord's will will be accomplished. Look at verse 22. However, the hair of his head began to grow again after it had been shaved. All those times he's pushing, his hair is growing. His hair begins to grow back. Once again, the light begins to creep back and shine in the midst of the darkness. And although his power was not in his hair, his hair symbolized his power. And it also symbolized his rededication to God. How many times as Samson was doing the grinding thing was he speaking to God now? How many times was he praying to God? How many times was he talking to God as he was doing this thing? Come on, you've been there. You've been there when you felt God has abandoned you like you're in the worst thing of your nightmare and you're starting to come back to God. You're on your knees praying for God and praying to him to do something and come back in your life. Like David, take not your Holy Spirit from me, Lord. I need your presence. Don't leave me. He talked to the Lord. I'm sure there was confession. I'm sure he confessed to the Lord. I really messed up, Lord. I spit upon your Nazarite vow. I I was a fool. I lusted. Give me another chance, Lord. Use me one more time to defeat this enemy before us. Give me another chance, Lord. And I love that. Because you know darn well our Lord is a God of second chances. 
Let me glorify your name one more time, Lord. One more time. It's interesting that, and I'm going to bring this up, Samson's hair grew back, but he never saw again. There are consequences for our sin. Consequences could be lifelong. Samson's eyes never saw again. He was in darkness. Certain things are lost forever because of our sin. But God does restore. God does give beauty where there was once ashes. God does take mourning and make it joyful. God does do that. And as we finish out 23 through 31, let's read the rest of the story. Now the lords of the Philistines gathered together to offer a great sacrifice to Dagon, their God, and to rejoice. And they said, Our God has delivered into our hands Samson, our enemy. When the people saw him, they praised their God, for they said, Our God has delivered into our hands our enemy, the destroyer of our land, the one who had multiplied our dead. So it happened when their hearts were merry that they said, Call for Samson that he may perform for us. So they called for Samson from the prison, and he performed for them, and they stationed him between the pillars. Then Samson said to the lad who had held him by the hand, Let me fill the pillars which support the temple so that I can lean on them. Now the temple was full of men and women. All the lords of the Philistines were there. About 300,000, 3,000, excuse me, about 3,000 men and women on the roof watching while Samson performed. Then Samson called the Lord saying, O Lord God, remember me, I pray. Strengthen me, I pray, just this once. O God, that I may with one blow take vengeance on the Philistines for my two eyes. And Samson took hold of the two middle pillars which supported the temple, and he braced himself against them, one on his right and the other on his left. Then Samson said, Let me die with the Philistines. And he pushed with all his might, and the temple fell on the lords and on all the people who were in it. So the dead that killed at his death were more than he killed in his life. And his brothers and all his father's household came down and took him and brought him up and buried him between Zorah and Eshkatol in the tomb of his father Manoah. He had judged Israel 20 years. Samson's a servant of the Lord. He was raised in a godly home. He was being humiliated in front of his enemies. He was like a slave. But even worse than that, the the Philistines were worshiping their god Dagon and they were thanking Dagon for helping them overcome Samson and the God of Israel. The people wanted entertainment, so Samson was brought forth. Everyone was in high spirits. Dagon had triumphed over Jehovah. They thought Samson was now harmless. They could do whatever they wanted. Samson once again uses his cleverness to make the audience believe that he was harmless. And as a small boy leads him to the pillars of the temple, he asks the boy to take over. And then he calls upon the Lord in verse 28. Look at verse 28. O Lord, remember me, I pray. Strengthen me, I pray, just this once, O God, that I may with one blow take vengeance on the Philistines for my two eyes. He calls upon the Lord. He calls upon the Lord. We read in Psalm 66, verses 18 and 19, 
that if you have iniquity in your heart, God does not hear you. What does this tell me? This tells me that Samson made right with God. Samson and God's relationship was now back on where it's supposed to be because God heard his cry. God heard his cry and he answers his prayer in a very fast and big way. Samson dies with the Philistines and he kills more than ever he was alive and he's buried with his relatives. How do we summarize all this? His decline began when he argued with his parents about marrying the Philistine woman, remember? His decline continued when he disdained his Nazarite vow. He broke it on many, many occasions. He disregarded the word of God. He disregarded about God's warnings and he was eventually defeated by his enemies. Maybe because of his Nazarite vow, he thought he had privilege. Maybe he thought, well, you know, hey, I'm close to God. I think this is what happens a lot of times. A lot of times we think because we have a great relationship with God, we can go out and we can mess around with sin. I'm a pastor. I have privilege. <laughs> Lord, never let me think that way. Never, ever let me think that way that I have privilege. I'm just a sinner saved by grace one who just happens to be a mouthpiece for this church, one who God has chosen, is puzzlement to me as to why. Never let it be. He allowed his flesh to rule over him. It's interesting, this is where we'll conclude, that in the New Testament, Jesus said something very similar to this regarding his disciples He said to them, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt has lost its savior, it henceforth is good for nothing and should be cast out and trodden under the foot of man. Samson probably is a good illustration of this allegory. For God had chosen Samson to be the saving salt for Israel. But because of the weaknesses of his flesh, he lost its savor. And he ended up being crushed beneath the Philistines. Sad story of Samson is repeated, however, over and over as we see men with wasted potentials. Have you ever seen someone with so much potential for the Lord and you go, Oy vey, what are you doing? You could do so much for God. God has endowed us with gifts. He's given us gifts. He's given us gifts, abilities. And people waste them because of the weaknesses of their flesh. And they never achieve and they never attain the full glory that God had meant for them. Oh yes, Samson had a mighty victory. Oh yes, more Philistines were were killed than when he lived and killed Philistines. Yes, he judged Israel for 20 years. But he could have been so much more. There could have been so much more to Samson. Wasted potential is the story of so many people, and it's a tragic biography. Wasted, lives that are wasted. We could do so much for God's kingdom, but we allow our inner desires and that inner flesh, that that nasty flesh, to take hold. And we seem to follow it. Why? Because I think sometimes our flesh speaks louder than God. God speaks in a still, small voice. And sometimes we don't take time to listen for that still small voice, but we hear the loud voice of the TV. You gotta have this. 
You got to do this. You got to want that. You got to have this to be good, to be good looking, to be sterile, to be this, and all that other kind of stuff. We think that that's what we want. That's what we need because that's what the world tells us we need. And we listen to that. And our flesh goes, yeah, that's what we want. Go for that. And we test the waters. And this is the big problem. We test the waters. We, we dabble. We start to compromise. And as we're compromised and as we're dazzling, we can't understand why God doesn't smack our hand. We can't understand why God doesn't smack our hand and stop us. And God's saying, go ahead, use your free will. And we think because he doesn't stop us and because he doesn't smack our hand and because we don't get caught or whatever, we think that we have privilege and God has given us approval. Oh boy, are we wrong. Oh boy, are we wrong. Going to end up in a mill grind. In fetters. Blind. You can be blinded to the things of the Spirit. Blinded to the things of God. The relationship you once had with God could be extremely tarnished. No, God will never leave you nor forsake you, praise the Lord. But he will withdraw his blessing from you. And you will have consequences to pay. Samson was destroyed because of his own weakness. He was destroyed because he couldn't control his flesh. He couldn't control his eyes. He couldn't control those things. Lord, let it never happen to us. We pray, Lord, that we would, we would, would want you in our lives so much. We would want you to be so powerful in our lives that we wouldn't go off other ways. And you know when you're off there. You know when you're out there. You know it. Because the Holy Spirit's going, um, excuse me, don't you think you need to come? I get out of here. I can control myself. I can take care of myself. Oh, we have to be careful, Christian. We've got to be so careful. We've got to be careful. Samson is a great example for us in many, many things. And I think it's worth mentioning that we should go back and read 13, 14, 15, and 16 again and, and look at it and let the Lord guide us and lead us. Maybe some of you are dabbling. Maybe some of you haven't gotten caught and you're just kind of dabbling in some things and, and, it, and it's drawing you in deeper and deeper and deeper. And pretty soon you're going to be stuck in there and you can't find your way out. God's saying, come back now. Come back and repent now. Don't get too far away. Don't get too far away. It gets tougher and tougher to come back the further and further you get away. It gets tougher and tougher to come back. You don't want that to happen. Samson did come back. God made it right because Samson made it right. But that's what it takes. I think it's a great example for us. I think we can learn a lot from it. We have to be extremely careful. Those are the things that was ministered to me as I was studying this thing. You are Pastor Dave Shank will continue his series in the book of Judges next time you join us for A Sure Hope. In the meantime, you can listen to this teaching and others from this series online at assurehoperadio.com. We encourage you to download these messages so that they're available wherever you are. We know how busy life can get, but there's always time to pause, even if only for a few minutes. Those short breaks could be filled with the study of God's Word 
and the uncovering of treasures from its verses. You can also subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, gaining access to the latest messages as soon as they're posted. Find out more at assurehoperadio.com. If you're looking for a church family and happen to be in the Cape May area, we'd love for you to come join us for a time of worship and Bible study. Calvary Chapel Cape May will soon be moving to two services, meeting weekly on Sundays at 8.30 and 10.30 a.m. Both services offer nursery and Sunday school, where your children will be well cared for as they learn about the love of Jesus. Give us a call for more information. Our number is 609-884-5821. Again, that's 609-884-5821. Thanks for listening to today's message from the book of Judges. We pray you'll continue to be blessed as you study the Word on your own and that you'll discover Jesus working in your life each day. Pastor Dave will be back soon for another in-depth look at this Old Testament book. So join us again right here on A Sure Hope.